everyone. Welcome back to the Practical Theism Podcast, where faith and culture collide. I'm really fired up to have what an amazing guest that we have on today. This is Father Patlinghug, who uh, is quite the accomplished priest. Father Leo has, uh, I would argue, you know, he's not your typical priest either. You know, he's got a diverse background. He's an award-winning chef, radio, TV host. It gives him a unique perspective on ministry and family life. He's uh, an energetic speaker, runs his own podcast, which I have to say, I love the podcast name, Shoot the Shiitake, which is <laughs> awesome. I think it's safe to say this culinary curator of Food for the Soul is just the kind of person I like to have on the podcast. So welcome, Father Leo, to the Practical Theism Podcast. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me. And did you say fired up because you were trying to be like fired up with like the food reference? Did you just want to jump into that? Is that No, a- <laughs> I'm just, I'm always just fired up, I guess. I got this. You uh, say that to all your guests. <laughs> <laughs> but it's particularly apropos for you, Father Leo. I'd say so. <laughs> so you have a you have a really specific ministry. I think it'd be really cool to dive into. Sure. Uh, just kick us off. It's called Plating Grace. Tell me a bit about that. How did that get started? Okay. Originally, it was called Grace Before Meals, and it was okay. just a ministry to bring uh, families together around the dinner table. But branding made it just look like all I did was just pray before you eat, and that's <laughs> not the case, really. And so we yeah. switched over to Plating Grace, which is more chefy. And obviously, grace is more Catholic. And yeah. so, what we did was we combined together trying to let people know that God has an amazing message that he wants to feed us with. But yeah. we don't present it well. That's why people look at us like just a bunch of boring old farts who <laughs> eat fish on Fridays. And I'm like, that's hardly the case. And so, it made me think, <laughs> as Catholics, we have the beauty of the truth, but we are presenting it so badly. Yeah. And so plating grace is about how do you present grace to people so that so that our faith is Instagrammable, basically, yeah. that you want to digest, that you hunger for more, and that you're, you're not afraid to show it off to people. And mm. so the ministry really is the umbrella organization is Plating Grace. I have a nonprofit called the Table Foundation, which mm. supports chefs and hospitality industry professionals. And now more than ever in the midst of a real difficult time where they're not able to do their job, you can feel the effects of a lack of hospitality. But I also work with ex-cons and I try mm-hmm. to provide for them a formation program. And God willing, we're going to be getting our food truck very soon and <laughs> taking that food out with the message. And then I've got the books, I've got the TV show, and wow. uh, I travel and I speak around the country, around the world, lead pilgrimages. Um, and it's, it's, it, it sounds glamorous, but it is hard as heaven. See yeah. What I did there? See what oh, I, did. I saw what you did there. I, I <laughs> saw that is. shameless plug. <laughs> oh, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like you have, there's so many things on your plate and I can empathize with having so many things to juggle. Um, how do you find time to do it all? Is it just a, a, an amassed volunteer base that you have that kind of helped come alongside you? What, what's, what's been the big driver of it all? So prayer, mm-hmm. sleep, coffee, and I am a celibate. So that means, I, <laughs> so if you put all those together, what am I supposed to do with my energy? Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not taking care of a wife. I'm not taking care of physical children. Yeah. Um, and we thank God for the gifts of, say, like coffee and good food that gives you good energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always thank God for the gift of rest. He commanded it, take a Sabbath rest. Uh, and and that's not supposed to be just once a week, but that's every day to, to make the Lord the the Lord of the Sabbath. And and I mean, if you only limit it to one day, that's not much of a God for you. So make sure you take a Sabbath every day so that Mm. you can be regrouped. And we just call that prayer. So how do I do it? I don't have a large volunteer base at all. Um, You've you've got some folks to send my way. I'll take them. But, (laughs) uh, But we just have 
I would say a very small team of triple yeah. threaders. They're just incredibly talented. They not only know how to do production, they also know how to do ministry. They also know mm. how to speak. They also know how to market. And so we're just trying to do what we can. And to be honest with you, as big of a reach as we got, we're like a really medium sized fish in a very small puddle called yeah. the Catholic church. And so, so I really think we need to be out in the ocean, yeah. uh, just swimming against the tide and letting people know we've got the truth. We, we can make it real for you. And if you live this life well, you are going to live a good life. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, out of all the things you do, is there one thing that you find yourself gravitating a bit more towards uh, just from a passion perspective? Sleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. So, the, the passion that I love is plating grace. Mm. I mean, and that sounds so corny because I'm not like giving the shameless plugs because I'll do that till the mm. day is over. But uh, it's plate and grace. And how do I do that? Through my food and through my preaching, just through the, the work that we try to produce. So really what I love doing is taking the stuff of our faith and making it wow factory, making yeah. it so that people want more of it. And sometimes mm. I do a good job. Sometimes I don't, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I know you have these uh, little things on your Instagram that you've been put, you post and I love how the theme is all based around obviously the culinary aspect. You have this, uh, the bite-sized theology, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. just mentioning before the show, you're going to be in, uh, in California shooting, um, shooting some more episodes for the cooking show. Can you tell me a bit about the cooking show? Like what's, what's the whole principle and premise sure. there? Absolutely. So the bite-sized theologies, first of all, are just one minute interstitials. And I named it that because if there's anything that Jesus did is he made the eternal truths bite-sizable. Mm. In fact, he became bite-sizable. I mean, mm. that little piece of bread in your, in your hands held as a throne or receiving it on the tongue, that's just a bite-sizable piece of eternal truths. And we have so much that sometimes people get overwhelmed and they leave the church because they just can't handle the truth. And they just, <laughs> you laughed, you're old enough to know that reference, but, <laughs> but they just can't handle it. And so just like a mother bird has to take her own food, make it bite sizable for her children. That's yeah. actually an ancient image of the church is mm. making faith digestible. And the Tavis show is called Savoring Our Faith. It's on Sundays at 4.30 Eastern. And it's a show premised on experiencing our faith and savoring it and showing the world just how beautiful the church makes, makes yeah. the world. So we go to a church or a shrine, and then we go to some food destination uh, that may be close by or has some connection, or they're just great people with a great message where they do some charity. And then after that, I go into my test, test kitchen, wherever that might be around the world, and I make a meal to remember that mm. visit. Oh, wow. That's awesome. You, you know, a lot of this seems to be really based around, um, you know, what the church has kind of coined those those corporal works of mercy, right? Uh, which I think we draw on quite a bit from the Beatitudes of Christ. Can you tell us a little bit about what the church has kind of codified as the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Yeah. So the corporal works of mercy, just when you even think about it, it literally means corporis, corporal body, it means mm. physical, bodily, tangible things that we can do to show we're merciful. Mm. And the first and foremost of it is feed the hungry 
give water to the thirsty, visit prisoners, you know, mm. give domicile to people in need, uh, you know, visit the sick, pray for the dead, all of those physical, tangible things. Yeah. And then, um, and then the spiritual works of mercy are what I would call the interior works of mercy that you might not necessarily see, but God certainly does. And if you're looking at your life with God's eyes, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to see these works in your own soul. And, yeah. and those, are, those are obviously very beautiful works of mercy, whether it be like spiritually praying for people, all of the, the, the forgiving, forgiving of sinners, the admonition of sinners, all of those spiritual things that kind of, I don't know, give motivation to the physical. You can't have yeah. one without the other, by the way. Yeah, I think that's a that if there was a theological truth bomb right there, that's it. Sure. You know, is that that spiritual and the physical are so tightly bound. I don't think people always see that as tightly bound. They kind of have a well, tendency to separate them. Well, that's kind of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I want to remind people that, you know, when people think of faith, they mm -hmm. automatically think of the spiritual works of mercy. Yeah. Which is good. I'm glad that you think of those things. But Faith is also very incarnational. It's literally, it's literally uh, a physical reality. It's in the flesh. So if you are taking your faith seriously, you are going to feed your soul, which a lot of people don't even do. They're literally yeah. spiritually starving and, and frankly, kind of weak. Mm. Uh, and then you're going to also do what you can to feed the body with good things. So all of this idea of, of, spiritual works of mercy, you know, whether it be like instructing ignorant people. And I love that kind of phrase, that term. <laughs> and, and why is because that's a type of feeding, yeah. feeding people knowledge when they mm -hmm. want to ignore you in the same way you feed your children healthy vegetables, because mm -hmm. if not, they become ignorant to good health. Yeah. I mean, for example, uh, to forgive people's offenses. What does that look like physically? Mm-hmm. It looks like you eat with them. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Like if you and your spouse are arguing, you're not going to eat together until you forgive each other. And then you can have communion together. So oh, the wow. spiritual and the physical have to work together and you can't have one without the other. I love that. You, you mentioned, um, you know, people don't, people are starving, right? And I think that feeds right into the, the Plating Grace Ministry. I, I, I want to go specific to like Christians, professing Christians, right? Why do you, do, well, maybe you do, don't feel this way, but why, I've seen, I feel like I've seen it. Why do, why do you feel like Christians are starving right now? What are they missing if they are professing? <laughs> okay, so practically speaking, I think Christians are starving for three reasons, and this is always the case. One, mm -hmm. because we priests and ministers and shepherds aren't doing a good job feeding them. Mm. Or either shoving truth down their throat that they can't handle, or we're just feeding them marshmallows and gummy bears and, and chicken nuggets, which isn't going to give you good health. There yeah. needs to be a balance in how a shepherd feeds his flock. There are going to be mm. some who are better than others. There are just going to be some who should be in monasteries rather than in front of parishes and congregations. So that's yeah. my criticism of the church. Yeah. Second is because the devil is out there doing an amazing job. He or she, I like to use inclusive language when I talk about the devil. The devil does a great job of lying to people and making it look good. This is what the devil has been doing since time and eternity, taking bad things and making it look edible, the forbidden mm -hmm. fruit. And yeah. so people 
are eating it up because they're just too stupid to figure out that not everything that's beautiful and shiny is good for you. So the devil has got a a great role in not feeding people because the devil wants to play God and feed people lies. And that's Mm. why the ultimate food fight, the name of my book is basically God (laughs) using food and becoming food to be the remedy for all the stupidity that we've digested. The third reason why people aren't being fed is because they're just not hungry because Mm. they're full of themselves. They're arrogant. And I mean, I'll be very clear to say I am arrogant sometimes, but therefore I know when people are arrogant and people are arrogant when they come to the church and think the church has nothing to offer me. They, they mean, they're just a bunch of old farts who don't know anything. They are not even up with the times. They're just misogynist hypocrites who rape boys. That's Mm. what they think. If that's what they think, that they've not only been lied to the devil and the church hasn't let them down, they're full of themselves because they think they know better than the church of 2,000 years. That's not only produced saints, but we've changed the world for the better. Have there yeah. been screw-ups? Yup. But guess what? So have there been screw-ups everywhere else around the world because they're not following God's plan. And when mm. you don't follow God's plan, that's when you screw up. And therefore, that third reason why people aren't being fed is because they're not hungry. Oh, man. Fire right there. <laughs> if there were true statements ever said, Father Leo. Um, going back to the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy, I'm just got from your perspective, where, where does the church get those? Where do we draw on those from? Uh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so everything is obviously Christocentric. So yeah. if you were to look at like spiritual works of mercy, what did Jesus do? He taught people who didn't know. Mm. He encouraged people who were doubting. He challenged people who were sinning. He was certainly patient, even with his disciples. He obviously forgave sinners from the, the greatest pulpit of all, the cross. I mean, if you think about him yeah. bringing comfort in that word, cum forte, with strength, he's the one who doesn't snuff out the 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 uh, the, the wick or break the, the reed. He's the one who actually strengthens those things so that the wick is flaming and that the that the reed is stronger. And you think he prays for the living and the dead. Of course he does that. I mean like yeah. he he's encouraging us to do that. So if you think of all the spiritual things that he did and then all the physical things that he did, yeah. the corporal works of mercy, that's kind of where you get it. Yeah, you know, I think you can, a, a lot of people today, I think when they look at the church, um, they're, they're kind of, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy, right? Because on the one hand, everything that you're purporting and what I've seen the church, when you actually be like, hey, what does the church teach or what does the church believe? Mm-hmm. It's very, very centric to for on these, you know, th- things such as the dignity of the human person, right? Oh. You, see, you see that coming out, right? But we have a culture that's screaming for this, like right now, especially, especially in 2021, we saw this with all all the the, the riots, the, the oppression, all the movements that were happening, right? They're screaming for this. We want the dignity of the human person. And the church is over here screaming, we, we, we care about the dignity of the human person. But then the culture's like, no, we don't want anything to do with you, church. So there seems to be a disconnect in terms of how things are being communicated. Yep. Um, so I know it's kind of a loaded question, but... How can the members of the body of Christ practically go about engaging the culture with that message, showing them that the church is relevant and has well, a message worth hearing? <laughs> those, those three sources of the reason why people aren't being fed, because the priests are screwing up, mm-hmm. the devil is having a heyday, and people are just arrogant. They're yeah. just full of themselves, so they don't think they need to be fed. 
each one of those has to work on that. I'm using my middle finger here because I use that for the devil, which is exactly what we need to do with the devil. Just point it out. We need to show evil. We need to show where evil lies because if we don't see evil in our life, we can easily be duped by evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recognize it, call it out, eliminate it, baptize it so that we drown evil and what comes out can be at least a version of that good that yeah. the evil distorted. So for example, sexuality, mm-hmm. it's evil and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. If you baptize it, it'll purify all of the evil parts to it. And what yeah. you get is it looks like the same act, but it's going to be much, much different. Yeah. So what we've got to do is call out the evil. That's, I mean, you, your, your, your show is called Practical Theism. Mm-hmm. And we're yeah. not doing that. And so we have priests literally not calling out evil mm-hmm. because they don't want to lose their tax status. Screw the tax status. Fine, get rid of the tax status for the church. Let's be able to call out politicians for the evil that they're purport- purporting. Mm-hmm. You know, how yeah. dare you call yourself Catholic and Christian if you are advocating for the culture of death. That's not a political statement. That's a Catholic statement. Yeah. And yet people are so stupid. They can't figure out that they'll just automatically assume that, oh, it's because you're just a Trumpian. What the heck? I mean, where's the logic on there? So let's call out illogicality because mm. your illogic approach to everything is fallacious. That comes from the devil. Yeah. Start actually learn some critical stinking thinking so that you cannot sound so stupid in your arrogance. Call mm-hmm. it out. That's the admonishing of sinners. That's mm-hmm. instructing the, the, the ignorant. That's yeah. calling out the doubt in people. So we've got yeah. to call out evil for what yeah. it's worth. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of people who are very woke, very mm-hmm. justice oriented, and they want to call out evil by creating evil. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you ask for justice by creating injustice? And what did yeah. the church do? We hid because mm-hmm. we were just afraid to be lashed out against because, sure. because we had priests who committed sexual abuse. Oh, my gosh. How many government workers have done that? Mm-hmm. But they're all hidden, you know, yeah. because no one is calling it out. And if we call out evil, the church should mm-hmm. be very quick to say, guess what? I confess these sins privately, I will confess them publicly Mm -hmm. because we know that we are a broken group and only in our weakness, it is then that we become strong in bearing witness to Jesus Christ. That's St. Paul, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, you bring up a lot of really interesting points with that too. I'm kind of curious from your perspective in engaging the culture and the conversation, I think there's a lot of... Um, resistance because we there's this lack of we don't want to get in confrontation right no. people don't people don't want to confront the culture they don't want to talk about it there's this cancel culture that's going on right now that uh, the minute that you talk about something that somebody disagrees with they don't just cancel the statement that you made or your belief here no they cancel the whole person um, and so it's almost like this walking on eggshells mentality, which clearly you take a different approach to that. How do you maintain the, uh, how, how do you go about persuading and influencing um, in the course of conversation? What are some tactics that you've used as in terms of communicating with people so, that brings them on board to? Yeah. So if you want excellence, yeah. if you want excellence, which I hope your listeners want, mm-hmm. they're not going to mess around. 
They're not going to be half-hearted or half-assed, really. You got to approach this fully. But to approach it fully, you also have to be smart. I'm talking intensely to you because because I'm talking to you and you (laughs) seemingly agree with me. If I was talking to someone who was very weak, I would approach them and lower myself to their standards, knowing that that's not where I want to remain, nor do I want to keep them there either. And so the bitter herbs of truth have a great remedy. It's called a vinaigrette. Mm. And a vinaigrette is the combination of sweet and sour Mm. and salty and tempered with water when necessary. It's a balance of flavors to help the bitters of arugula get digested. Mm. And so what we've got to do is learn how do we plate grace in a way that is balanced. I mean, like if I was to give you a, if I was to give you a, um, a, a, a beautiful like lasagna, sure. right? A lasagna. I mean, it was only, only noodles. Then that would just be pathetic. It has to have sauce. It has to have cheese. But the way I would also plate it with would be a little topping of some microgreens that have been marinated in some sort of vinaigrette so that there's something to cut through the fat and the unhealthiness of it all and just give you a burst and bite of flavor. In other words, a balanced approach to the palate. Yeah. You know, I think that's everything in life, right? That's the spiritual. That's the spiritual life. That's the human existence, right? Is all about balance. You have these polar opposite extremes, and throughout all of life, and you go into like any kind of religion, world religion, everything. There's this constant need for balance, balancing all the things that you're juggling in life. You know, I think of often the uh, analogy of a juggler, right, where they have to have a focus on an apex, and they're throwing balls through this apex, and the balls are all the things that they're juggling. And uh, if you don't have a focus on the apex, you're focused on any one individual thing, you can't juggle. <laughs> you have a really hard time doing it. So I think balance, yeah, you're right. It's, it's essential to kind of this human experience, and it's necessary for us to kind of bring that into the public sphere. But recognizing that there is this spiritual dynamic and the spiritual element um, that is at play here. And you mentioned something earlier, recognizing and calling out evil. Do you feel like there's a confusion on what evil is and is not to the point where people rationalize what evil is and what it's not? This is the whole work of the evil one is to create confusion about confusion. Mm -hmm. So the devil hates dogma. And that's why I'm glad the church has them still. And dogmas is just a word in Greek that means definition. Mm-hmm. Because we need to know what things mean. Yeah. And that's exactly what the devil doesn't want us to know. So we take something like racism. Mm-hmm. I don't think people even know what that is anymore. Because even if I like, I have been called racist. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm a freaking person of color and an immigrant. Yeah. And I was called that by some white guy who thinks he's a professor of theology and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Just because he thinks that I don't like the candidate that he wants to vote for. Mm-hmm. So that's not racism. That's actually stupidity. And so what I need to do is kind of call it out. Actually, I'm going to be interviewing him on my show because he decided (laughs) to say that I sow seeds of hate and division because I'm incredibly poignant. If Mm. I only have a bite size of Twitter messages, you better believe I'm going to pack a punch in that. I'm not there just to give you useless calories. And so he hates me. I have not even met the person, but I'm going to invite him on my show. And I want to say, so I invited you on my show because my show is about listening to people who disagree with me. And yet I don't even know you. You've never met me. You probably just want to use my platform to show, to spout out your message. So I'm going to listen to you. Tell me exactly 
how I sow seeds of division. And mm. what we've got to do is be patient enough to listen to what people think a definition is. Mm. And if you can afford, if they can afford to, excuse me, if you can afford to listen to them, then they should be able to afford to listen to you. Yeah, definitely. Well, Father Leo, this has been awesome. A good jump start into uh, episode one of our podcast with you. Um, where can people find out more about you, learn more about everything you're doing? Platinggrace.com is where you find me. That's where the show is, the merch, the um, the speaking engagements, the talks, the, the online conferences that we have. Yeah. It's all at platinggrace.com. Awesome. I really appreciate you, Father Leo. Appreciate your time jumping on My the podcast pleasure. with me. For everybody listening, wherever you might be listening at, definitely hit that like button and pound that subscribe button like you mean it so you can continue to get more of this awesome content. Pumping out bi-weekly episodes here from the Practical Theism Podcast. If you're on iTunes, throw a review down there. It helps the algorithms get this in front of even more people that need to hear this message. Hope everybody's doing well. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.